stereotype and shattering stigma of being an alcoholic or addict in recovery. This is the Since Right Now podcast, the podcast of SinceRightNow.com and Clean and Sober, K-L-E-N and S-O-B-R. professional radio <laughs> yeah, well we do what we can so tonight on uh, since right now i think it's episode 17 we have joe c um i'll leave it that for now um and the way you're, you're best known to me and i can't remember how we first interacted but um is your your book beyond belief agnostic musings no wait hold on jeff just holding the book agnostic musings musings for 12-step life and um, it's a uh you know, it's a fascinating read. I didn't know what to expect, and obviously I haven't read the whole thing because what it is, for people that don't know, is daily sort of meditations yep. um, for, I guess, the agnostic in AA and in recovery. You don't, I, 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 what I appreciate about it is AA is not required <laughs> to, right. to get anything out of the book. It's great, and I was actually going to read today's, but because um, I found it uh, particularly appropriate that... Uh, for the quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson, whatever course you decide upon, there is always someone to tell you that you are wrong. And actually, it's just that part, um, <laughs> which I find, you know, is is so um, prevalent. And I'll, I'll stop grandstanding in just a minute. Um, now that I've come to be a part of this recovery community and understand it better after all these years, um, that that there can be a wrong way, you know, in, in somebody's eyes somewhere, it, it will be the wrong way. So Joe, take no, it away. Th- Thank there's you for another the more current uh, expression, which is if you ever want to be criticized, especially in a 12 step community, just do something, anything, <laughs> and you'll be criticized. That's funny. But yeah, it, uh, the book, uh, is, a. a the only secular daily reflection book. It's something I went looking for, and I couldn't find one. I right. thought, in this day and age, it's the 21st century. Uh, it isn't intended for non-believers specifically, but it is sort of a secular look at recovery so that, you know, you don't have to fit your worldview into somebody else's way of looking at things. Did you... Uh did you start doing the daily meditation books at one point and were like, you know what, this this is not working. You went on the search for this thing, found out there nothing existed, and then said, I'm going to write one. What was that day like? Yeah, it was, well, here's how it went. I, I was kind of a, a closet atheist. Right. Or, I, well, I still, you know, considering myself 80% sure, I'll call myself an agnostic, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I have no evidence of some supernatural power that intervenes in my sobriety. Uh, so uh, I go about life as if there is none. And I'm sure if there was, he wouldn't mind as long as I conduct myself uh, well. So I, I kind of came out of the closet. And uh, <laughs> uh, part of that was, uh, I, I mean, 
I would go along to get along, right? Yeah. I used to talk about uh, a God as I didn't understand him, and I'd get a laugh. That's and fun. I would say, spiritual awakenings, I don't know. Root awakenings, let's talk. I've had plenty of those. <laughs> and, you know, people, yeah, just like that, they laugh along, right? right? And so I was hiding out in plain view. Right. And uh, the reality was I felt like a bit of an imposter or that other people were having this experience I wasn't having. Mm -hmm. And the internet kind of set me straight. Uh, I, I mean, I got sober in the 70s and there was no uh, internet. Right. A show like this would have been impossible then. Right. Uh, but, I mean, just in, well, in the 21st century, we can communicate with uh, people in recovery all over the world. And I found this very alive uh community of people that preferred AA or NA or whatever 12-step program they were in without prayer or without a supernatural uh, worldview. And I, I got my confidence and I sort of came out. And then, I, and then I went looking for this book. I thought there must be a book just like that. I couldn't find it. And I complained, oh, I was a whiner. And uh, someone said, well, Joe, uh, you write. You've been sober for a few decades. Why don't you write it? And I didn't have a rebuttal for that <laughs> other than my knee-jerk reaction. Oh, no, I couldn't do that. I'm dyslexic or something. You know? right. But I, I thought about it and I thought, well, 365 days, right. you know, that's just uh, really my 10 best ideas every year. <laughs> right. <laughs> what, what are they? And I started, you know, writing them down. And, uh, you know, I sort of came up with about 500 right. and then whittled it down to the 365 most wow. cohesive. Wow. wow. And is it, how did, so each, then you had to do a lot of research to get the lead in quotes and then match it. Yeah. The thing. How, so how did that process work? Because that, it's all good. You know, it's just such a, that's the way the little daily prayer works in A. There's like three parts to it or something. But I think those quotes are, brilliant and Me really too. they're so modern you know just lots of people's views on all kinds of stuff it's really really great well i i have always been uh, a reader and um i was collecting them as i went along yeah. and some of them are just uh authored as heard around the rooms because yeah. mm -hmm. I, I don't know where they came from yeah. uh but yeah, I just went looking. And then once I started writing, it was about a five-year process, I started collecting them wow. anytime I heard one. Uh, someone said in a meeting, uh, I didn't come here trying to save my soul. I came here trying to save my ass. Only later I found out they were connected. I thought, <laughs> I'm writing that down. Right, right. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's a good one. And what really stands out about the book once I... Oops, sorry about that. Once I had it in my hands is that, I mean, it's it's a serious piece of work. Like, I, I would have stopped at the quotes, and you, but you have, like, a significant amount of thought on, yep. on every single day. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just... Are they, are they randomly put together? Are they grouped by theme, or did you just sort of, this feels like a November theme, this feels like a January theme, or did it just kind of fall, fall together? There's a, a few little uh, hidden... Uh, patterns. On the 10th of every month, I talk about a tradition that corresponds oh, with that month. Okay. And then uh, I just, like, I when I, 
it was it was quite something. It was like uh, herding kittens when I had all of these things and which ones do I leave out? Which ones do I put in? And have I already quoted him enough? Or uh, you know, uh, I mean, it, when you're going back to uh, you know, first century, it, it's very hard to get a fair representation of women because uh, mm. up until the middle of the last century, they they had nothing, they weren't recorded in history. So, mm. you know, I, I tried to m make a, a good blend of male, female, sort of conservative, liberal, uh, some 12-step culture and some, I mean, there's Dr. Zeus. Oh, that's good. I think the places you'll go should be handed to everyone when they leave treatment centers. Yeah, it's terrific. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, actually, I, I uh, that is something that uh, uh, Roger, a fellow writer, he wrote a book called uh, "The Little Book: A Collection of uh, Alternative Twelve Steps," uh, which are all. Yeah, I mean, there's agnostic versions and Buddhist versions mm -hmm. and. Uh, uh, Native American versions, and uh, but anyhow, how he said uh, that uh, that Dr. Seuss book was uh, was his daily meditation book when he got out of uh, treatment center. The uh, so one one interesting thing, I'm just kind of putting all this together. You go to AA meetings. You obviously know lots about it. What is what is your relationship with the program like? Is because I keep thinking. As you as you start to explore all these different kinds of twelve steps and the way they say it, if fundamentally there's still this journey you're on, this like, you know, give up, clean up, live up thing that happens. And I just and I wonder like for you, when you went through this as an agnostic or atheist, what what is the thing that creates that psychic change? Or is that still part of the discussion, or does it just kinda happen easier than that? Well, I think uh, your worldview yeah. is really like what your favorite color is. It isn't something you come to believe. It's something you come to understand. Uh, and most of us are just reactively behaving either against or with whatever we grew up with. Mm -hmm. it, it usually is a, a life-changing event that makes you really go, well, wait a minute, I, I don't believe what I'm saying here. What do I really believe? Hmm. And uh, and I don't think, you, you know, it's not, you don't have to correct yourself if you're left-handed to be in recovery, but most people are right-handed. And you don't have to apologize for being an atheist in recovery, but most people uh, believe in a God consciousness. Mm -hmm. But I, I, there are universal principles that AA didn't invent yeah. For the as far as the twelve steps are concerned, right. and because of that, they, you know, they they can be translated. Some of my friends said, "Joe, you just uh, became uh, an atheist because you're lazy. <laughs> <laughs> Take out the steps with the God. There's less work to do, but it, there's there's less delegating, but right. it's the same amount of work." Right. <laughs> That's interesting. That's really interesting. So you go to meetings, <laughs> yeah, yeah, all the time. You're still in it. Uh, yeah, yeah, I, I, I'm still a member. I, I at at times I am more involved in service commitments than actual recovery meetings. Uh, you know, like general service work or public information. Uh, uh, I I find the history of the twelve step recovery movement fascinating, with all of its. Uh, 
you know, infighting and how it right. resolves certain right. things. And it's, it's almost an, uh, anarchist delight, you know, it, uh, um, yeah. you know, there's, there's no, that inverted triangle really looks like the, just, uh, a, a saying until you get involved in it and you realize that the general service conference for all of the work they do, they can't impose a single thing on the groups. Sure. AA is 115,000 autonomous countries right. that are a part of the United Nations, but the UN can't tell any of us this is what you got to do. Right. Uh, I, I kind of like that. I do too. I, well, it's interesting because just thinking about, and you know, I always, on this, we hear a lot of people that, you know, say, I went to a meeting, I don't like AA, but there's every single meeting is different. Right. Every single meeting. Is run differently. If you don't like one, you can always right. find one that you do like. Well, and the just other, like bars. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and the the other, I mean, the other part of that, or not just the only other part, is that you also don't have to like any of them. You don't have to go. Yeah. Um, right. That's, that's do you sit. still recommend AA for people who have a problem, or do you? Are there other things you would try with them, or do you like? Absolutely. I yeah. I celebrate all recovery, right. and uh, you know if people. Find, uh, you know, if you're of a mindset where you find, you know, the big book uh, patriarchal or if you find it overly religious, you know, find something else that works for you. That's fine. Uh, not that the big book is necessarily the centerpiece of every meeting you go to. Some places it's decorative. Yeah. You so, know, and, and it rarely gets referred to. So. So and you've been. Attending AA meetings for how long? Since 1976. 19... I was a teenager okay. when I first came. And I didn't plan on staying. Um, I was, I'm kind of, you shake any family tree and a few alcoholics fall out of it. Sure. And my, my family's no different. I wasn't the first AA member in the family. So someone identified that this kid, he's, you know, he's not, sowing his wild oats, he's got a problem. And so uh, I got targeted and I avoided, you know, listening to that kind of, you know, oppressive talk about being an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. I thought I was a heavy social drinker with bad luck. <laughs> alcoholics seem so clinical. Right. But uh, I, 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 so I'd gone to a few meetings just because, well, if you, you, you know, if you're not afraid, you, you got nothing to hide, go to a meeting. Ah, okay, so I'll go. And so I, I got the, the run of it, um, and I, I had no intention of, uh, you know, even if I was an alcoholic, I would have rather died a tragic alcoholic death than live sober. Mm. As a teenager, a life of sobriety is not much of a reward for anything, no. it, as you see it when you're 16. But then I started uh, uh, in two-step family tradition, it was suggested to me that my cousin wanted to get sober and maybe I could take her to a few meetings and be a power of example. And I thought, wow, yeah, yeah. I want to do that. Yeah. Hers was a life worth saving, yeah. <laughs> right. even if mine wasn't. That's and, funny. you know, that's, that's not by the book recovery. <laughs> that's not the steps what order this order you know i went from not even really agreeing with step one to step 12 right, and right. mouthing the words to be a good quote-unquote power of example and so that's how you got in 
Yeah, that's how I got in. Uh, somewhere in the book, I refer to it as getting sober by osmosis. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Put my ass in the chair and, you know, it, you know, it, I, I caught it more than I worked for it. So your, I mean, relationship with the, what, what, what is it, what, how do we call it? A program? Mm-hmm. Okay. With the program. Uh, I, program. I, I, whoa, I, I'll stop you there. I, I won't call it a program. Oh. I call it a fellowship. Oh, fellowship. Okay. And, and that's something that people, uh, you hear that I joined the program and, and there is no program to join the, the program is a suggested program that you can take or leave. And I've seen plenty of people who are members of AA, you know, they join a group, they get active, and they dismiss the steps. They see it as uh, superstitious or something. But, you know, they have a desire to stop drinking. They fit the only requirement for membership. Mm -hmm. If they put their hand up to make coffee, people say, yeah, you're making the coffee. And uh, they're part of a, a fellowship and uh, the program is, uh, I mean, it's, it's a big part of it for most of us, but mm. it isn't, just like going to meetings isn't obligatory, either is that program or any, just as any particular type of therapy or anything yeah. else is. So It's interesting, because so, at, at this point in my recovery, the, the fellowship of the meeting is the most interesting, rewarding valuable part that I've experienced in the two meetings I've gone to. Um, right. And now that you've, you've you know, introduced those semantics, which a lot of time I, I, I wish I could avoid the semantics of all this, but um, it, it does help because the program part, I think, is what I'm least interested in, um, which I guess is, isn't particularly unique. But Yeah, well, you would probably find kernels of things you practice in your everyday life it, right. it incorporated into the program. That's what Jeff tells me. Yeah. Uh, but it isn't necessary to do it sort of by the book in order to qualify for membership. No one checks our homework, right? right? We can get a sponsor and work through the steps. Uh, but you know, we're, we're not going to, uh, have our membership revoked because we, uh, disagree with the word powerless, Mm -hmm. or we disagree with the fact that we have moral failings. Um, you know, if you have a Taoist kind of mentality, uh, we're all incomplete, but not imperfect. You know, that they're just, that's such a judgmental thing to say. Someone's getting sobriety right or someone's getting sobriety wrong. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's funny after going through and just your site sort of laying out this basic back to basic movements, which you, you talk about, and then you have that great Bill W. quote from 1957, where he, yeah. he was very much in the mindset of, we make pass no judgments on anyone. We want everyone to come to these meetings. Um, and so, but I, I go to a lot of meetings where I feel the same, like, it is a, it's an old timer, this is how, this is how it's done kind of attitude, mm-hmm. I guess, right? And you get that a lot, and it's hard to not, it's hard to look at that and not be, I mean, these guys have a lot of sobriety, right? So yeah, it's it's hard to look at that and say they didn't they're not doing it right or something. I guess, so yeah, I can see why I I was like in a roundabout way I was sort of going to ask you about where this idea of rebellion came from because it's you've got it all over the publishing and so at some point you must have thought that there is a better way to do this. There's something to rebel against. It came from the book. Yeah, no, I know, which is interesting. Yeah, right in uh, the twelve and twelve mm-hmm. in step seven. 
uh, Bill Wilson writes, rebellion dogs are every step at no. first. Yeah. So that is what he wrote. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then I was in a, uh, an AA band. We had a band and we played here and there, mostly, you know, young people's conferences in the eighties. And the, uh, uh, the, the principal songwriter of the band uh, a woman named Kathy, she wrote a song called Rebellion Dogs. And it was about these dogs that followed her around and she couldn't shake them. And I, just that that sort of imagery always sat with me. And when I was thinking of a publishing name, I thought, I'm going to, I have to find Kathy and tell her I'm stealing her title. And <laughs> she, was, she was delighted that I did. Do do you feel like a rebel though in this whole thing? This it's kind of a rebellious thing you've started, I think. Do you, do uh, people treat you that way at meetings? Do they know your views on uh, that stuff? You know, some do. Uh the conservatives, uh, I mean, any book-based society and AA is one of them, uh in time divides into two camps. There is the preserving the integrity of the message camp. Mm-hmm and the widening the gateway camp. Uh, So, you know, some will want to make it inclusive to everyone and others will say, oh, let's stick to our knitting, primary purpose, (laughs) you know, that kind of thing, right? And so I am of the widening our gateway camp. I definitely am. Uh, You know, again, people get caught in you mentioned semantics, mm. you know, someone says, uh, uh, I'm an addict, and oh, this is AA. Blah, blah. I, I mean, the tradition is a desire to stop drinking, right. it isn't a rule that we identify as an alcoholic. It, some people see labeling myself that way as something negative. You know, I want to think about myself as a person in recovery. I mean, who cares how we label ourselves? Right. Membership is self-determined, so no one should point the finger at anyone and say, you know, are you an alcoholic or not? Yeah, what, right, And or, or have a problem if somebody decides that's what, how they want to refer to themselves. Yeah. And um, y- you mentioned uh, Bill Wilson. I mean, everyone I know who knew him uh, said he was the most inclusive person they had ever met. Wow. Hmm. And, uh, you know, he always was looking for a way to accommodate. How can we accommodate? Wow. And, uh, I mean, consider when AA started, there was still segregation. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, it was a fight to include women in AA. It was a fight to include African Americans in AA, uh, gay and lesbian meetings. Right. And so there is some, you know, resistance to the idea of people interpreting the uh, uh, steps in a secular way, taking God out of their program. I mean, if you feel that your sobriety is granted by uh, an intervening, interfering deity, and someone says, oh, that's a myth, <laughs> you know, that's that can be offensive, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. and, and uh, nobody means to offend, but, you know, we... we all live in shaky constructs we call the world we live in, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. uh, you know, um, there is a certain amount of what we call 
uh, narcissism of small differences inside AA. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so you're you're almost you're pretty much the keynote of the first annual We Agnostic and Free Thinkers International AA Convention starting this Thursday <laughs> in Santa Monica. Right? You're the opening slot. Uh, yeah, I, I got the opening slot. I wouldn't call it keynote. The, I mean, there's some. Uh, <laughs> Reverend Ward Ewing is there. He's a uh, uh, chair of general service emeritus. He just rotated out, hmm. and I guess it's a lifelong. The emeritus title stays, but he was a big promoter of a agnostic and atheist pamphlet in AA. Wow! And and he was also very much against things like at the World Conference. It was in uh, Texas. It was in uh, San Antonio, mm-hmm. and he thought. We should really think twice about things like saying the Lord's Prayer at the end of a meeting. Yeah. I mean, he's in the religion business. Yeah. Right. And, but and, he thinks in AA you leave your higher power at the door. Hmm. And uh, in, in terms of how you describe him in a meeting, let's keep it anecdotal right. for, for those of us who believe. And, you know, and, and I'm kind of that way, too. When someone tells me, well, God bless you, Joe, I don't correct them and insist that they give me some sort of secular blessing. I mean, they're just wishing me well for crying out loud. I just stopped sneezing. <laughs> it works then. Yeah. Um, but, but, yeah, tell us about this event itself. Okay, yeah. yeah it, to hear about it. You okay. In, yeah. So I'm I'm very excited about it, mm-hmm. and um, the if you there's a, a world directory of uh, AA agnostic meetings that was uh, launched by there's a probably seven to ten agnostic AA meetings in New York City, and they started collecting a database of all of them around the world, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's. It's grown 40% from 2010 to 2014. Now, we're, we're hardly uh, the, the, the newest, biggest thing. We're like 200 meetings maybe, right, of mm-hmm. 115,000 meetings. So right. it's not like we're taking over or <laughs> anything. But, but there were enough of us that we had this relationship online in, you know, Yahoo groups or uh, Facebook and uh, let's g- get together young people's meetings uh, they have their annual conference and you know they, there's all these retreats and things we thought yeah let's let's do it and we talked about it for a long time and uh, there's been uh, a we agnostics meeting in West Hollywood since 1980 okay. and some of those members said well someone's gotta actually take the bull by the horns right. and do it. And and here's to them. Way to go, California. Yeah, Everything right. starts there. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So you can still go. If, if, I'm, if we're out in California, yeah. you can still go. Yeah, yeah. It is. Uh, some people listening to this, uh, it'll have already passed. But right. it's the Thursday the 6th to Saturday the 8th. Um, uh, and you just go to uh, the, the, the website is... W A F T I A A C, which is We Agnostics and Free Thinkers 
international aa convention.org that's awesome .org. and i'll put that in the the show notes right. um that'll be up for you know at least the week you know that brings up a question i so just to back up for a minute you you've yeah. for what is that so three decades you've been essentially you've been involved with aa yeah and so over time your relationship has evolved initially right. you know you were the reluctant teen um and you, you you gradually moved into a point where I, I'm, I'm assuming you sort of embraced traditional AA, or or maybe from the beginning you were having the 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 challenge with higher powers and. You know, uh, I I like I said I used to talk in such a way right. that my lack of connectedness uh, I could. I wouldn't say I was trying to deceive anybody, but, you know, it's a rigorously honest program. Mm -hmm. You know, how am I going to frame this in such a way where I'm not saying, uh, you know, through my prayers, God has told me X, right? So, uh, so, uh, you know, I just found a way to sort of, I guess, talk around it. And and it's pretty easy to do. Um, There is a general sense, you know, even after a couple of meetings, you see a lot of people nodding. We think we're having this you know, universal experience, and we're not. We're all as individual in our recovery as our thumbprints, right? Right. And so, uh, you know, I I was always uh, really welcome, no matter how outrageous I was, how <laughs> um, often I was late to meetings or whatever. And, and it was only really uh, in the 90s I started to see this, kind of, you can call it big book thumping. I've got nothing against this sort of back to basics culture of Mm -hmm. this is how it was done. It works. Uh, You know, because I I don't doubt for a minute it's getting people sober. Fantastic. What, What I disagree with is referring to every other brand of recovery as watered down AA. I, I just, I'm not going to say that about what they're doing, and I would ask that they respect what I'm doing as, you know, conscious sobriety. I've put a lot of thought into it. You know, I put a lot of work into it. And, you know, uh, mm-hmm. who are we to compare our sobrieties? <laughs> yeah. Right. Well, I didn't even, I didn't even, wasn't even aware of the term or didn't realize that uh, until somebody called me a dry drunk about five, six months ago once I started doing this because I you know, wasn't involved. And I'm like, really? But so, well, so here's my question. So at some point, though, it, that did change. And then now, do you only go to WAFDIAC? Agnostic meetings? Yeah. No. No, I'm, I'm, I uh, owe my life to mainstream AA. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, I really consider what we're doing even further back to basics. I mean, back to basics talks about, you know, the big book, the 12 steps and four sessions. And, you know, they have this sort of ritualistic application of the 12 steps. But AA was not founded on the 12 steps. It wasn't even founded on the big book. The anniversary of AA is when the first two members got sober sharing their stories with each other. Hmm. AA's anniversary is uh, June 10th, 1935, when the second alcoholic, Bob, uh, got sober. Wow. 
and years it was years before there was a book and there were 12 steps the first uh, edition of the big book had 29 stories in it and this is a pretty good study group because they're all dead and we know how the story ended and just like we hear in meetings 50 percent of those uh, 14 of the uh, 29 stories uh, stayed sober from the time they wrote that book. Wow. Uh, seven of them uh, went back to drinking and uh, died uh, of the disease, not just with the disease, but of the disease. And seven others uh, w- w- got drunk after the book came out, but eventually got sober and died sober. Wow. So there you have your 50% right from the get-go, yep. another 25%, and another 25% we just couldn't help. Wow. That's, that's still the same odds. It, and Yeah, exactly. And those are all people telling their story yeah. before yeah. there was 12 steps or any big book to quote pages from. Hmm. So do you we, do you work the steps or, or do they just I mean you know do you go through them with people? I'm uh yeah I I guess I would call myself a twelve step apologist because <laughs> uh, I, I I think they're great and I think that uh, my if I'm sort of helping someone mm-hmm. if someone someone will ask oh do you sponsor people Joe and I say well I'm no life coach. Don't come to me to say who you should date or yeah. what job you should take. or You know, I, I, I can't give you any advice about that. But if you want to work through the steps, I've done it. I have no expertise, but I'll share my experience yeah. with you. And I'll say to them, you know, if there is a word that is a, a deal breaker for you, change the word. The word won't mind. Mm. And this was kind of the approach. I was a smart ass when I got sober. Right. And my uh, sponsor was a bartender. I figured he's not going to steer me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> he's not going to be any sort of religious fanatic, you know. And, um, uh, you know, I would, I had this game where I would ask him questions and then I would criticize his answer or I would be skeptical or whatever. And eventually, you know, he would say, I said, well, you know, what does this step mean? Or how do I work this step? He goes, well, you're the genius. You tell me. <laughs> and, and that's really the, the way it should be, right? You know, and, and, and then I, you know, would bounce it off him. And he said, is it working for you? Then that's the way to do it. That's cool. Interesting. Next, yeah. right? And and I try to take that approach too because, it, and I'll tell anyone if you get to a step where you just can't live with it, move on. You know whether what it, like some people stop right at step one. I, well, this powerlessness word. Mm-hmm. Well, now you can look up alternative twelve steps or agnostic steps or whatever. You, you find all kinds of versions that avoid that word yeah. and and it does talk about it in the past tense uh, some people think that the 12-step modality is uh, learned helplessness hmm. and I just disagree with that you know I, I think that's an intellectual look at it it certainly isn't my experience is there so oh, go, go ahead. ahead no I was just wondering if 
Is there a, a, you know, in the fourth, third step, is there something you turn over your life to? If there's no higher power, is, there, is that step different? That, that there's right? a good question. Step three, what do you do with this higher power? Yeah. I, um, there are a couple of alternatives. One is a higher purpose. Yeah. And I, a, f- a good friend of mine was uh, in and out of treatment centers. Uh, two of them were 12-step based. Two of them weren't. Uh, his last drink was just going to be a lost weekend, and he was going to start again on Monday. Mm-hmm. He uh, woke up in a uh, uh, psych ward. His, even his own brother wouldn't return his phone calls. He said, I don't want to die a drunk. And he tried it one more time. He went to treatment and he left a high paying job to become a drug counselor. And, uh, and this was his higher purpose. This is uh, what motivated him to live sober. And uh, he eventually succumbed to cancer. And he's a huge loss to our home group. His name was Wayne. But uh, I will always remember his uh discussion on step three about a higher purpose and Hmm. for other people it can be something secular like uh, the power of example Mm -hmm. in the uh, uh, book Alcoholics Anonymous itself uh, the spiritual experience appendix Mm -hmm. was was added to the second printing of the first edition Mm -hmm. and it sort of talks about how we might have given people the impression that to get sober, you needed this overwhelming God consciousness. And we're here to tell you, you don't. A lot of our members go through this uh, in what William James calls the educational variety. It happens slowly over a period of years. And we find we have tapped an unsuspecting inner resource, which some of us identify with as our power greater than ourselves. And it's our more religious members that call that God consciousness. And, and from a theist point of view, that inner resource is, you know, your God box, I guess. That's where your higher power is talking to you. But it can be some—it's um, an Eastern philosophy that, um, you know, if you uh, are trying to replace the dream of—the the romantic dream of drinking with the— romantic dream of, uh, you know, some, you know, biblical God, you know, you're just replacing one dream for another. But to look inside, one doesn't dream, they awake. Mm -hmm. And so an awakening can be, um, you know, a a rational awakening as much as it can be a spiritual awakening. In the chapter, in the We Agnostics part of the book, and I haven't read that in a long time, but it seems it makes a case that it that I think it makes this same case. Like you just need this minimum amount of something, right? Like it yeah. talks about this door being a little bit open, and that's all that you need. On, on careful reading of We Agnostics, that's one of the that's the one chapter that really lights a fire under the butts of. Uh, true atheist because it 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 does say it's only a beginning eventually and bill wilson blurts out eventually you got to come to this either god is or he is not what shall it be gotcha. hmm. and 
you know, to a true agnostic, you fail just by answering that question. Right. Whether you say God is or God isn't, uh, an agnostic would say it's unknown and unknowable. Right. So uh, it's not a binary spirituality can't possibly be binary it can't possibly be a right answer and a wrong answer and uh, so i'm okay with this either god is or he isn't what shall it be i say it shall be that man created god instead of god created man so now that i've made my uh you know bed i'm gonna lie in it how am i gonna work these steps in accordance with, uh, you know, that inner resource as opposed to, mm-hmm. you know, waiting for a burning bush. Right. Well, I, I love the awakening <laughs> analogy. I think yeah. that's just just awesome. And Yeah, this is, I mean, all, uh, you know, I, I didn't quite understand how, how it could all sort of coexist, I guess, being the outsider. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and uh, it's, yeah, I mean, you, you certainly, um, you know, it, it works, you know, I, I, I get it. Um, all now, um, but what, it, what it's made me think is so. Uh, I know you, you place a lot of value on on what AA has done for you, and so you worked within this existing system. Did you ever consider just going elsewhere? You know, did you consider? And I, I don't know when it when it was developed, even, but like Smart or SOS or whatever other options there were, as opposed to making alterations to an existing. Yeah, I, I, you know, honestly, I'm lazy. <laughs> right. I, I, I've read a lot of their literature. I planned to go to an SOS meeting. I never got around to it. Hey, we're like, you, you we know, that. I, yeah, I interviewed. Yeah, that's right. You were trying to get to an SOS meeting right. at your first AA meeting. Sisters right. of sobriety, uh, I, we made it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Wrong one. But uh, I interviewed James Christopher. I was writing an article for a magazine and I talked to the founder of it and and I totally respect what they're doing. But I was, you know, part of AA is just a social thing. You know, I, right. I knew the people here and, yeah. you know, and, and it, it's not like I could be kicked out. I had enough tenacity to know that you know, I, 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 you know, the, an intergroup can say we're not going to list agnostic groups, and that happens some places. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's a, a horrible betrayal of the spirit of the traditions. Yeah. But you know, that's human nature. I don't blame AA for that. Right. You know, we we see that everywhere. We see it in politics, and we see it in religious strife, and you know. Uh, you know, some people make a career out of it, Bill Maher or whoever, right? You know, mm-hmm. but uh, the reality is, you know, it, AA doesn't reject me. You know, just, uh, uh, you know, a few people who think that they're above the traditions or that they that they see the traditions as uh, as some sort of dogmatic rule. Right. I'm not against, you know, tradition. I'm against dogma. I'm yes. against making anything sacred. Uh, even the definition of alcoholism as a disease, as a metaphor, okay, I'll go with that. You can't see it in a microscope. I'm not convinced it's not a behavioral issue. It's, 
metaphorically, okay, alcoholism or addiction, it's a disease. Uh, but, you know, could you say that about compulsive spending or sex addiction or gambling? Mm-hmm. You know, show me the biology. I, I, it's hard to find. Uh, so I, I don't want to tie myself to, you know, either a dogmatic definition of what addiction is or a dogmatic definition of what recovery is supposed to look like. Or how you get there. Right. I'm going to switch topics. Okay. (laughs) Crazy topic. So I listen, my son has ADHD and I listened to your podcast. Ah, yes. And it was absolutely fascinating. And it was just, and the podcast was, uh, you interviewed this doctor who had written this book, Dr. Timothy, I believe. Uh, uh, Tim Bilkey, the Tim book Bilkey. is called Fast Minds, How to Thrive yeah. If You Have ADHD. Yeah. And your angle was this dual, dual addiction, people with ADHD. The statistic that jumped out for me was untreated, untreated ADHD in uh, teens are 60%, 60% of them are going to become addicted to something. Wow. Yeah, that is, is unbelievable. I, I mean, I, I could see my pattern there. Remember, I'm a, yeah. I've never had a legal drink uh, and uh, yeah, yeah. he said that not only, like when he's talking to other doctors about looking for ADHD, he says, ask your 11-year-olds, do you smoke? And a doctor wouldn't even think to ask such a question. How could an 11-year-old smoke, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, are, are they sexually active at 12, right? Mm. I mean, these are symptoms of uh, ADHD. Uh, some of the uh, symptoms include... Uh, novelty seeking, mm-hmm. impulsivity, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, uh, they're distractible, yep. scattered. Yep. Uh, so it's really easy for them to, uh, I guess, self-medicate right. those symptoms because our world does not uh, reward people who show up late, uh, people who forgot to call you back, you know, people think you don't care. Uh, you're not taking this seriously. And, and we see that in recovery, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, and we talked about 90 meetings in 90 days, right. you know, it's just not going to happen. That's a, a, a guaranteed failure right. for someone with any kind of, you know, mood, a disorder mm-hmm. or learning disability or any of those things. Right. Yeah. And, and they're so common when, uh, in terms of their comorbidity. Yeah, which was really interesting. I know in in some ways I was like, oh, you guys are talking about me. And and then you were talking about my son. And I was like, wow, (laughs) he's really hitting close to home. But the the treatment for it, this accommodation, medication, and mindfulness, I thought was interesting. Um, Talk a little bit about that. Because my wife's terrified of drugs for this. We've never tried it. But I think the three of those things together, especially trying to teach a kid to be mindful Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. his own thinking, which was just fascinating to me at that age, uh, you know, a young kid to try to get them to be this, you know, mindful. Yeah. Child. It, it is a, a skill. Um, uh, uh, John Kabat-Zinn uh, has a, a couple of books and he's kind of has a Zen leaning and, and he's used mindfulness to treat people with chronic pain He's found that it's useful in overcoming trauma, and uh, 
I took a mindfulness course, and it wasn't at all like meditation. Meditation, I'm trying to clear my mind. Right. Forget it. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> right? You know, you don't choose your thoughts, right? You know, and mindfulness isn't about thinking the right way or, you know, it's about just being aware, being conscious of the thoughts, right. sensations, and feelings that you're having. And uh, just taking inventory, so to speak, and uh, and so you can't get it wrong, and, and it doesn't require uh, incense or a mat right. uh, or a quiet room. You can do it on the subway. You can do it while you're standing in line. Um, I tend to get institutional rage. I get mad at traffic and sure. the banking system Cable and companies. sometimes Alcoholics Anonymous right. and they don't <laughs> vote the way I <laughs> would have, you know, so, uh, but you pull yourself back from that and you go, what's really going on here? Hmm. Right. You know, and, uh, I think even children can learn mindfulness. I'm kind of pill adverse as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I certainly don't recommend, you know, one way or another for people get uh, medical advice because uh, I know so many people whose mood disorders or uh, bipolar disorders have they, they found the right medication and you know they you know it removed the barrier. They have a you know a, a, an even fight with the rest of us in life. Right. Well, uh, but I I, t- I tend to stay away from any of that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I you know was super reluctant to uh, you know I take Lexapro and I'm, you know, I'm yeah. as open about that as anything, and yeah. um, was super reluctant. And I finally had a doctor say the most undoctor like thing to get me to take it. He goes, he said, "What'll it matter in ten thousand years anyway?" So, I'm like, <laughs> so I took it, and uh, you know, I, I definitely I call it a lifesaver. So, and I, I think I mean that pretty literally. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, so it's sort of whatever it whatever ma- works and. And makes sense but that's right and and accommodation was the other thing and and the book talks about how you you need advocates you need a team right you know and uh, you know check in with people because we're our own worst uh critics and uh, sometimes we need someone else to say you know you you tried that it didn't work mm, right. so let's try something else what else you got you know you, you know we, we can try 10 different things. It doesn't matter. We got time. Right. And, uh, and that, that's better than just getting frustrated and saying, I can't, I won't. Yeah. Well, get which it. is, it's the word cause nothing, yeah, life is not geared for this kid. His school right. is not geared hmm. for this kid. And it's just, and you, you can just tell there's, he holds it together all day and just, <clears> and you know, you just feel so bad for him. And yeah, it's a, he's a different, but on the on the other hand, it's just like anybody anybody else. He's super creative. He has lots of you know, you know. There's an awesome child in there for sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm scared that he's all those addictive behaviors. Mm-hmm. Right? You can just kind of see oh, it yeah. coming, mm-hmm. and it's terrifying because you know you you're not going to be able to stop him exploring all these things, mm-hmm. and it's just tough. But uh, I I love this idea of trying to head it off with some mindfulness practice and some. Just some things mm-hmm. to pre, you know, places to go to soothe yourself, I guess. Uh, AA has a, one of its oldest slogans is think, think, think. Yeah. Hmm. 
you know, mm-hmm. we we have to. All alcoholics, I think, have a tendency to be impulsive. Yeah. And and sometimes our first, you know, in songwriting, we learn don't be married to your first idea, even if it's a good idea. You might be in a mine of good ideas. Keep digging. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, you know, sort of. And when I get to that point where I'm sure, then I ask myself one more question. What else could this mean? That's great. Well, it's funny. We're both in the creative business, and uh, on on our lazy days, I fall in love with the first idea and get it out the door. But uh, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, but you're absolutely yeah. right. You you got to keep digging. That's and that's where you get it. That's where you find the true gems for sure. Yeah. And everything. Yeah, but uh, yeah, don't you love this uh, th- this new medium? Uh, I mean. Th- the gatekeepers are gone. Right. I, I love since right now. Uh, there's other podcasts uh, that are sort of twelve step oriented. I love. A, I started a radio show devoted to Canadian independent music. Oh, that's yeah, awesome. Called Indie Can Radio, the best music you've never heard. And it started just as a podcast, and eventually got picked up by a few college radio stations, and then eventually satellite radio, which meant. You know, I reluctantly did that uh, because it meant that the bands I was featuring got a bigger audience. But now you have the constraint of it has to start at this time and end at this time, and you got to do it every week. Where a, a podcast, you can do ten a year, or five a year, or twenty-four a year, yeah. and you don't have to pause for commercials or any of that stuff. And I, I think it's it's great. I think it's going to be super for the recovery community and or any kind of niche community absolutely the podcast community is phenomenal and that's uh i I started listening to a couple and i thought this is what you know i want to do and my immediate thought after that was and i'm gonna ask jeff to do it with me (laughs) so um yeah and you you just let the uh community decide you you know uh, People like it or they don't like it, and and who cares whether it's dozens of listeners or thousands exactly. of listeners, you know. Um, well, and you know, one thing that I think we found out pretty quickly is as long as it's one, you know, it's like you get one, um, you know, email or tweet or whatever, um, you know, from some somebody saying that it's it's helped them or they gained some insight or perspective or something from it, and that's worth doing, you know, for somebody yeah. um, in recovery. Uh, so. The one thing I did want to ask before we before we let you go is so you you had said earlier and it really struck me when you said you had never had a legal drink so yeah it's been um, decades of sobriety for you yeah um, and I I don't know the the, the niceties of, of talking about recovery so re, <laughs> relapse free yeah yeah okay yeah, relapse free um, and so you know my my experience in recovery has been sort of in isolation with the exception, as I mentioned plenty of times Mm -hmm. with Jeff as sort of a touchstone when I sort of, I'm looking for one and coming into this community, I I got told, I was told, um, in an online (laughs) comment, you know, section that Mm -hmm. I'm recovered. Don't worry if I happen to have, if some alcohol happens to pass my lips, if I ask, if I happen to have a drink, don't worry about it, which I just found to be the most absurd advice to be diagnosed by somebody in a comment section online. Um, you know, it, it was a recovery site. Um, right. Or, and, and, 
you know, after 17 years, first of all, the thought wouldn't cross my mind, but I would just, when, if it did, I would think it would just be the most ridiculous thing to do. Um, and I guess I'm asking you if it ever crosses your, your mind <laughs> at, after all this time. It wouldn't cross mine that I'm recovered. I'm well, done. I, I don't use that word. Usually when someone says they're a recovered alcoholic, they're referring to a passage which is, we recovered from a seemingly helpless state of mind and body. Right. And so you've recovered from hopelessness. You haven't recovered from addiction. Okay. Uh, I, I, you know, like, I, I think it's a, this word does not mean what you think it means. That's when terrific. You're right. Use the word recovered. I certainly don't know uh, how to use it. Yeah, and I, but people use it. But again, it's you know it means something to them. They're telling their story in their language, mm-hmm. and I don't correct them or fight them on it. Uh, for me, I I like what Al-Anon does. You know because. It seems like there's some sort of currency, which is your length of sobriety, and I, I completely disagree with that. Yeah, me too. Uh, I, I mean, if you look at, again, I, I love the traditions, and I love getting involved in AA service work. You go to your your home group and see how many votes you get for your 30 years of sobriety. You get one, just like the guy who's been here five days. Mm-hmm. He gets one vote, too, and that really tells you where you stand. And in Al-Anon, for instance, they measure it from the time you started, not from the time you got it right. If you have a, you know, emotional outburst, you don't change your Al-Anon sobriety date. And I think sort of total time in has value. Even people who have recidivism, they constantly relapse they still have so much to share. They haven't lost their four years of sobriety because they drank for two weeks. They, they aren't to be uh, shamed in the meeting and say, you know, start from the beginning. And the other thing is, despite the fact that I've never uh, drank or used illicit drugs um, or even taken more neocitrin than was medically recommended, you know, it's not like I don't have obsessive compulsive behaviors. It's not like I haven't got out of control with uh, whatever it was. Pecan whether it was, pie, right? Pecan yeah, pie. Pecan yeah, pecan pie. Yeah, pecan dating, pie. relationships, work, sure. um, spending, bankruptcy, right? right? Uh, you know, um, I, I'm still susceptible to magical thinking. and I'm still <laughs> susceptible to, you know, so, so why is... You know, like like I, I'm not here to do it perfectly. That's not my goal. Right. It's to do it authentically. And so however that manifests itself, I mean, if you're calling it a disease, then, you know, uh, you know, a relapse is part of disease, right? right? You know, it isn't like you didn't do your step four right. right. You know, I don't know if you did or you didn't, but, you know, uh, you know, people get cancer. They don't say, well... You didn't want it enough. Your cancer came <laughs> right. back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so yeah, I yeah I'm uh, and and there's this some conferences you go to. People will introduce themselves as being an alcoholic and they'll state their sobriety date. And I find that pompous bullshit. <laughs> 
Will you be editing that out? <laughs> uh, no, I, no, I mean, no. I can't, can't imagine why. Um, yeah, no, I just, is, do you just feel like it's, it's just irrelevant, the sobriety yeah. date? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, it's absolutely valuable. I mean, look at it this way. Let's yeah. count it in days, right? I've got about, you know, 12,000 days. Mm-hmm. And if that was money, $12,000 wouldn't solve my biggest problems, but I wouldn't flitter it away. Right. It's something of value. Yeah. And uh, so, it, of course, my sobriety has uh, value. And, of course, it gives me a sense of mastery that I've been able to maintain this. But it it doesn't give me a leg up on either of the two of you or anyone I meet at a meeting. Some of those great expressions I wrote in my book, you know, came out of the mouth of babes, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. That's cool. That's cool. Well, Joe, that's awesome. It is. Um, It's beyond belief. (laughs) (laughs) Zing. That's how we do it. Thanks, man. That was good. Um, And I mean, honestly, good luck in Santa Monica. That sounds so much fun. When are you leaving to go there? Uh, Wednesday morning. Okay. And uh, I'm, yeah, I I, I think it's really significant that it's happening. Yeah. And uh, and hopefully it'll keep happening until it doesn't have to happen anymore. Because some people just feel like they can't express their doubt in a meeting yeah. without someone worrying about them or mm-hmm. criticizing them. And and that doesn't happen at every meeting. We talked about that, right? Yeah. You know, when, when I work on the phones, I, I don't tell people to try an AA meeting. I say, go to a dozen. Yeah. Because, you know, you never know what you're getting for the first one. It could be more, it could be bigger or smaller than you like. Right. It could be more conservative, more liberal than you like. It could have more rituals than you like or not structured enough. Yeah. Just, they're like bars. You find a place where you'll finish your drink and leave and never come back. And other places you could, hey, I could live here. Yeah. And, you know, that's what AA meetings are. They're that place somewhere in your town you'll find you know, your people. I love that you're using a bar metaphor to describe AA meetings. I'm, bust, I'm busting that out right. next meeting. Um, it's, so, it's perfect, though. It's, that's it's, hilarious. It just nails it. Um, so, okay, well, I mean, it's been yeah, fascinating. Been great. Fantastic. Thank and, you. And uh, we're fans. We'll continue to follow you. I'm going to go catch up on some of your other podcasts, so that I've been getting Ditto. And, uh, Ditto. And do you anticipate the 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 uh, I'm going to call it Waftiac? Uh, you guys okay. hate that. Uh, do you anticipate those being recorded for people that can't make it? Oh, as a matter of fact, uh, I last I heard is the uh, speakers and panels are going to be recorded. Fantastic, so that's great. They'll be available. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so you, if this comes out too late, you can still catch it all. Yeah, that's right. And Somewhere Joe, I'm gonna have put put every just about everything we talked about that I, I managed um, get down uh, in the the show notes. So there'll be links to you know Beyond Belief, to Waftiac, to Rebellion Dogs. Um, yeah, all of it. All right. So then, thanks so much for coming on, and uh, we'll have to do it again sometime, maybe uh, after you're back from the. Okay. Thanks right. for having me, boys. Thanks for coming. You bet. See ya.